The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, hot market, cold market, changing market, up market, down market for over 20 years. We've been here to give you the inspiration and information you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, folks who are listening to the podcast on realliferealestate.com will not have heard Mike's uh, newscast before the show and would not have heard that the stock market bounced back today because the Fed vaguely said... At some point, we think we might maybe want to not raise interest rates so much as we have been doing in the rest of 2022. And the stock market went, woohoo, what great news. <laughs> Meanwhile, here in the real estate market, <laughs> I officially called, I officially said we are no longer on the roller coaster hanging at the top of the hill. We have actually gone over and it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a changed market from here on out until it's not anymore um, as of as of today. Yep. Market. It's October 12th, 2022. The crazy seller's market is over and things are about to be super duper different and not necessarily in a bad way. Absolutely. I, uh, I know a lot of people, my guests here included, that have been saying for about five years. <laughs> That's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> when, when do we get, <laughs> when do we get an opportunity to be presented with more deals and more owner financing? And, you know, when, when, when are sellers going to not be in a position where they can just ask whatever they want and somebody comes along and pays it and pays it in all cash and does it in two days and, and $20,000 over? Yep. We are here. <laughs> We are here. It's uh, it, it, it'll it'll be there'll be a, a lag here because there always is when there's a recession, uh, where sellers still think they can get. They're still asking it. Yeah, right. And, and they're not just asking it. Some of them are pretty insistent about. But my neighbor sold his house for two hundred, four hundred, six hundred, whatever the number was, thousand dollars, just back in February. And, a lifetime ago. <laughs> yes. And I'm just hearing, I'm hearing, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing the articles that are coming out about how home sales are slowing down. And, you know, there was one that came out about uh, Columbus last week that said the, the year over year sales were uh, September to September down 34%. The number of sales, not right. the, not the prices, the number of sales was down 34%. And that's all. 
indicative. It's indicative, but it's it's hard to read an article like that because they don't dig into are they down because people aren't putting their houses on the market because they are now trapped by their three percent loans. Mm-hmm. They can't they can't move up right. when the rates are near seven, right. and so they're not they're not moving unless they want to move down. They want to get a smaller house, um, but it's the stuff on the street. You know, it's the it's the uh, some, somebody told me the other day that in Phoenix, agents are now pretty commonly asking for very large earnest money deposits, like ten percent plus. And the reason is that it's become fundable. Yeah, and it's it's become a thing that five days before. A closing that has, you know, it's been 45 days since the property was put under contract. The buyers are saying, if you don't give me a $40,000 discount, I'm not closing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm walking. And although that is, I mean, obviously they're in contract. They could be sued for specific performance. They are absolutely going to lose their earnest money. Um, that's a, that's a sign that buyers are nervous. And the sign that the sellers are also nervous is that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so poked around a little bit here in Cincinnati to say, because we're not Phoenix, right? Not not a not a high dollar hot market, but not to the level of Phoenix. Uh, poked around a little bit with the agents here in town and several of them said, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I have never had that happen in my real estate career and I've had, had it happen twice in the last three months. So it's kind of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Market. Right. We all think the market is going to go down. And so we act as if the market is going to go down. And so the market goes down. And so we're starting to see contractors become available. I again. know. I got my first call in like four years. Somebody looking for work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but like seriously, I th- those were used to be really common. Not two years out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and somebody actually called and said, "I'm looking for work." I'm like, "What? Yep. <laughs> What's going on?" And um, we actually, uh, uh, this is Jerry Fink, by the way. If you're wondering who the other voice in the microphone is, I'll introduce him in a second. Um, we were at this. Uh, we were at the meeting for Pittsburgh Acre last week. Right. Um, so they're re group, and there was a contractor speaking at the beginning of the meeting. And something that he shared that hadn't really occurred to me is that we all knew the builders had kind of shut down a lot of their building back in March when interest rates started to go up. But we don't usually use the kind of contractors who right. are right. building new homes. But the other thing that has happened is that. Home equity line rates are going, yeah, they're all adjustable, so they're going way up. Right. And people aren't getting approved for home equity lines because the banks are worried about is there still going to be equity in their home a year from now. And that has put the kibosh on home improvements, which is the kind of contractor that we use. And so, I mean, that's more good news, right? Right. (laughs) Going to be easier to find contractors. the, The guys who had gone to home building. Now that that's slowing down, they're going back to mm. being the handyman rehab type contractors again. So that's why we're starting to see them again. Mm-hmm. So good news, good news, good news, but also some challenges. Like uh, Jerry and I have both. Jerry's been through, through more of these things than I have, and I've been through a lot. You know, big big recessions, little recessions. Um, there's always changes that you have to make to whatever your business is to capture the opportunity and kind of sidestep. The other side of this, which is if you're if you're buying houses to resell them, right? The fact that they're not selling as fast and for as much money definitely right. affects you. So, um, build that into your numbers up front. Yep, gotta 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 just know what the challenges are going to be. Meet them. 
take take uh, whatever you do do not sit this out (laughs) because um i i i I have heard a million people including jerry and including myself (laughs) say say now what 12 years later i wish i had done more right during the great recession i wish i had bought more properties i wish i had done more deals and next time Right. I, I'm I'm going to be ready and I'm going to do it. So, and I I've heard a lot of people say, "Man, I I I dropped out of real estate in '08 because the market was so scary." Exactly and, the wrong time. Exactly, and I I didn't start buying again until 2016. And oh, the deals I missed! Oh, the deals right. I missed! So, yeah, um, that's not our topic today, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what spasm <laughs> of prediction uh, grabbed me to to say that, but we'll be doing lots of training on that here on Real Life Real Estate and at Cincinnati RIA and all the other places where you see me. Uh, so um, the topic today is scope of work. That's one of those skills that every experienced retailer has and knows about and never thinks to say anything about because it's like, you know, if you go to one and say, you never told me about a scope of work, they say, well, I never told you to breathe in and out either. <laughs> it just seems so obvious. Why would you not have a scope of work? And that's what we're going to try and uh, talk to you folks about but first we are going to uh, have a quick break if you if you already know you've got questions on scope of work you could just go ahead uh, and get on the phone now and give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com you often have better questions than i have planned so feel free to participate we'll be back right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm like I'm like Pavlov's dog. When the bell doesn't ring right, I don't know to salivate. <laughs> there we go. You can't play that thing in my ear for 20 years and then play it differently. Like I don't know what to say now. Where am I? So our our topic today is scope of work, and this is something that I hope you've at least heard the term before. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those, like, it's a little thing, right? It's like a small part of an overall rehab process, but it is a super important thing. At least if you like your rehabs to stay on time and on budget, I don't know, maybe you don't care about that. And here to help me discuss this is longtime rehabber and rental property owner, past president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati, sometime emergency guest host here, <laughs> here on Real Life Real Estate, uh, Mr. Jerry Fink. Hello, Vina. Hey, welcome. Welcome Thank back you. again. Um, so in case there is somebody who is like, scope of work, what's that? <laughs> can you can you just like just tell us what it is? What What is the scope of work? Okay. In In simple English, it's spelling out what needs to be done for the particular project in a pretty good amount of detail. And then who, which which trade, is going to be doing each piece of that. And the scope of work or the statement of work, kind of interchangeable terms, um, spells that out. And it, it really is one of those things, you know, the best time to, to make an agreement and sign a contract is when everything is good, right? <laughs> so you're actually spelling out what is expected uh, in this particular project and in in my case, I also tie it into the dollars associated with that. So, you know, this line item needs to be done, and it's going to be worth $500 toward your part of the contract. So um, 
in simple English, it's spelling out the terms of what it is that needs to be done and who's going to do it. Okay. So we're we're approaching you rehab, um, and that could be now. Let's let's not let's not forget that a lot of people buy houses and rehab them for rental, not Absolutely. just for resale. So this would right. apply to any any time you're going to go in and do a fairly major um, update, even even a, a major turnover. Right. I mean, after you've right. after you've owned a house for ten or fifteen years, you look at it and you go, "Uh, isn't this kitchen brand new? Why does it look so raggedy? Mm-hmm. I need a new kitchen." Um, and it is a list of these are the items that need to be done. And then you said the trades. So if it said um, uh, run new vent stack, then that would say plumber, right next to it, so that it's clear. Right. It's clear that the electrician is not supposed to be doing the plumber's work or it's not being asked to do right. the plumber's work. Okay. So what is the purpose or let, let me, let me ask you this. What are all the purposes mm-hmm. of bothering to do this? Okay. Um, as you mentioned up top, this is just a piece of the puzzle. So the, the scope of work is like I said before, spelling out what it is that needs to be done. Who's going to do it. The next piece that kind of comes into play there is the timeline. So putting the, the project together, um, you know, when is the drywall person supposed to be done with his piece of the project? And you tie a, a date to that. Um, that's typically done in the, in the actual contract, but it, it is all interrelated. My independent contractor services agreement, I think it's four different places in the contract that it actually references the scope of work that it is tied in here by reference. So that's that's one piece of it. Um, another piece is when we get to the back end, when we're talking about payroll, um, every week you, if you're the contractor, you're going to go on line item seven, which was XYZ. I got that one complete. That's the $500 that goes into the, the week one column and is submitted for payroll for that week. One of the things that I do not do is pay because it's Friday. You know, you mm-hmm. get paid based on things that are done. And the way that we define what is that that's been done is by going back to the scope of work and saying, you said that you would have the doors installed. Okay. Are they installed? Yes, they are. Okay. That's worth, you know, $500 or $1,200 or whatever it is, you know, depending on how many of them there are. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that's, um, you know, that's the, the big pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps us prevent uh, a, con- a concept called scope creep which says the uh, a contractor goes in and he starts doing things that are not in the scope of work and then expects to be paid for them. Well, not in my world, because if it's not on the scope of work, it's not part of the contract, and we haven't gone and done what's called a change order to add that particular piece of work, and both of us have agreed on the work to be done and the price for that. Mm-hmm. So um, no, walk, no walking into your rehab and saying, uh, is that new plumbing behind the wall and them saying, well, it needed it. It needed it, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's great, but I didn't authorize it, so thanks for the freebie. <laughs> appreciate, you know? appreciate the free plumbing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's, like I said, it's all interrelated. So this is kind of a, a, a pivot document, if you will. It, it ties the, the contract to what needs to be done to how you get paid. So, so it's all one and You know you're same. one of those rehabbers to whom this is as natural as breath, and you, you actually missed the major one, the major purpose of the scope of work. Okay. To get your thinking organized oh, about yes. what this yeah. is going to cost and what needs to be done. And because, uh, you know, when when you make one of these, you often start with, 
this would be my ideal outcome. Right. And then you look at the numbers in that column and you no, go, whoa, that's that's <laughs> right. like like I, I, I when I bought this house, it was based on a forty thousand dollar rehab budget. And this is a sixty thousand right. dollar rehab budget. And maybe that works when the market's going crazy up, 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 right. up, 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 up. And it's going to save you because right. in six months it'll be worth twenty thousand yeah. dollars more. But when the market is flat or potentially even going down, okay, you got to so go through and go. Let's back up. Then. Nope, 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 nope. The scope <laughs> of work is actually kind of the third piece in that thought process that you just talked about. The first one is what's what I call the initial site visit, where I go and look at the house for the first time. Um, I have a form that I walk through. I'm in there for 20 minutes. You know, is this even a house I'm interested in? I've got everything, you know, major that needs to be done. And I can assign gross cost to that to see whether there is a deal here. And that helps me make up my, my offer. Mm-hmm. That goes into the calculation for my offer, and if the offer is accepted, then I go back a second time to the house, and I spend about three hours at the house, and I do a very detailed walkthrough. I have a a 32-page walkthrough document that I go through room by room, system by system, you know, what is it that's going to need, and and that particular form actually drives purchase orders for Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, Sherwin-Williams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the second step. Then the third step is I go back and I take that document, that big walkthrough document, and my initial inspection form, and that's when I sit down and actually do the statement of work. So, yeah, that's actually the third iteration of thinking through this project. And you're absolutely right that as we do that, we think about what really needs to be done, what would be nice to do, but yeah, maybe not, unless I can drive the price. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that I do look at is if I can put in a second bathroom and that'll add, you know, fifteen or $20,000 to the value, it's worth it. But I'm not going to do it just because it would be nice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying there? So, yeah, that, that that is part of the thought process. And another thing to kind of build in here is that as part of building this statement of work, um, particularly with contractors that I've worked with before, I will actually invite them to, you know, walk the house with me and go through and figure out, you know, um, am I missing anything, for instance? Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a good contractor will see things that, that I, you know, didn't necessarily Do you see, see. a better solution to Do this? Do you see a better thing? solution? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I actually had one very good contractor years ago who had that knack of being able to say, you know, if we move this wall, da, da 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 we could create value in the house. He he was one of those very good businessmen who could actually understand the cost versus the value of doing that. So put this put this development of the scope of work into place in the overall deal. You you've you've made the offer because you did your property inspection sheet and you came up with some some big gross numbers and a fudge factor and said this is what I'm willing to pay. Correct. And then after you got it under contract you went and did the more detailed more walkthrough. Detailed walkthrough. Are you completing the scope of work before you close, after you close? Um ideally before I've even closed. Now, you know, timing can obviously come into play there just, you know, are there enough days? You know, mm-hmm. um, If I'm doing a cash closing, for instance, a lot of times there's not enough days. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm actually doing some sort of a financing, I usually have time to do that. Ideally, um, 
the the first contractor, the demo crew, is in there the day of or the day after I close on that property. If, okay. If I've been able to, you know, get that far ahead of. And because you have your scope of work, you've already put in a number a number next to how much the demo is exactly. is going to pay and signed a contract with either a general contractor who's bringing the demo crew or the demo crew, and so they know what they're going to get paid and they're ready to go. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Got it. I think we. I think we. We hopefully all understand now why it's important and what it is, and when we do it, talk about because the, the folks on the radio unfortunately don't have the advantage of um, you have all of your different documents spread out on the table in front <laughs> of me, right. so I can see that the scope of work appears to be on a some like a spreadsheet, some kind of Excel file. Is that exactly what it is? That's what it yeah. physically looks like. Yep. Yep. And do you have just like a like a single one that would have all of the stuff on it and you go delete or do you recreate it each time? How do okay. you? All right. So what it is is it's, it's an Excel worksheet and I have about oh, 40, 45 different things that are common to be to need to be done on a particular project. Um, so the first thing you do is basically go through and say, OK, are any of these things we're not doing? And mm-hmm. we'll take those, you know, just delete that line. Then we start adding back the other things. We're going to build a retaining wall on this particular one. That's not a, on one of my standard ones. That's uh, in the, you know in the uh, in the master. So we would add that line and we would sign that to the you know the concrete mason, uh, all that sort of th- stuff. So you go through and you you know delete the ones that don't make sense. Modify like you know it's this many square feet of LVP that we're going to b- mm-hmm. be putting down. Um, that sort of thing. So we modify all those. We add the things that we need to. We assign each of them to the particular trades. Um, and then what we do is we actually do a resort on this spreadsheet so that all of the electrician stuff is together, all the plumber stuff is together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what I actually do is I send this spreadsheet to each of the contractors and have them fill in their estimate, their their bid for that particular line item and mm-hmm. that uh, the total for this particular project. We talk about it. We rene- renegotiate, you know, whatever may need to be negotiated. We come up with a price for that particular trade on this particular contract. We agree to that. We sign it, and then that becomes part of their contract. Okay. So, electrician, this is your list of things that are going to be done. Right. Here is the price we've agreed to. Now we're putting it on a contract. Right. And same thing plumber, same thing carpenter, same thing demo right. crew, et cetera. Exactly. Okay, so yeah, I think we're I think we're f- filling out a picture here of what the scope of work looks like and how important it is. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you have questions for Jerry about scope of work, contractors, whatever, uh, send them into askvina at gmail dot com or give us a call. Be brave. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Jerry Fink about scope of work. Uh, what is it? How do you do it? What's the importance of it? All of that stuff. Now, uh, Jerry, Robert from Nashville just emailed in a question, but before I ask it, I need to ask you a question about whether this is even on a scope of work, because the thing we did not talk about is materials. Mm-hmm. You usually... Uh, so, like... Plumbing is plumbing, drywall is drywall, but when you get to something like a, a kitchen or a bathroom, you usually have specific, I want this right. 
sink. I want this kind of faucet. Is that actually on the scope of work or is this a labor only? The scope of work typically is the labor only. It could be including materials if you negotiate it that way with your contractor. Now, the way that I do it is I have, remember I talked about going through room by room, uh, system by system, and that's driving the purchase order. So, you know, the ceiling fan is the skew that I have chosen from Home Depot to go into that house. The vanity is that skew, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is driving the material side of it. Generally, the scope of work is only for the labor side of taking those materials that I have designated and or purchased and getting them. So uh, are you having those materials delivered or are you picking them up? Are you having contractors pick them up? Okay. One of the things I think that makes a whole lot of sense to me is because I do know the SKUs that I'm going to use on 80% of everything that's going to go into a house. I actually have the materials delivered. Mm-hmm. And in my in my forms, that it can actually take that and, and break it into deliveries. So I might have a first delivery that's all the stuff I'm going to need early in the project and then a second delivery that's the stuff later. Um, that saves my contractors from, number one, spending untold hours at Home Depot. <laughs> number two, picking things that I don't want or that don't go together. You know, the, mm-hmm. the set nickel door handles and the brass uh, light fixture. You know? Yes, <laughs> and, I know it well. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. The stuff that's on the clearance rack. Uh, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. I eliminate all that. Um, and the, the the main piece of it is that because I am designating all that stuff as much as you can, you can never get 100%, but I, I shoot for about 80% that I order like that. It keeps the time that the contractors are on the job actually working uh, at a much higher percentage. And if you start taking $20, $25, $30 an hour times how many hours are they gone from the job to go to Home Depot, pick stuff, load it, bring it back, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that, that I like to do that I think saves an incredible amount of money on your project. Okay, so um, I feel is that maybe Robert has his contractors pick up the material because his question is, okay. I have, name that, that name that ceiling fan, whatever, on my scope of work, but the store is out of it when the workers go to buy it. How do I allow for this? And the answer is, it's not on the scope of work. It's not on the scope of work. But <laughs> um, what you're going to do, it, t- take th- something like a light fixture, especially. They change so often that a lot of times you're going to have to go back and um, reshop, if you will. You know, I, I like this light fixture. They have one here that's similar, different skew, but it's similar. So I'll update my worksheet. So that I, from there on, I'm I'm ordering the new one, um, but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna end up with some reshopping. There's just no way around it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then a question from Denise, and this might actually be a good time to mention that this is a piece of what you are covering in an all-day online right. class for Cincinnati Rea a week from Saturday. She says. Scope of work is definitely something we need to implement. What is your suggestion on how to handle this task? Okay. All right. As Vina mentioned, on the 22nd uh, through Cincinnati RIA, I am doing an all-day uh, scope of work class. We'll start about 9 and uh, try to finish up by about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, somewhere along there. It kind of depends on, <laughs> on how quickly we get through it and how many questions you guys have, uh, which is a huge, huge part of it. Um, you know, I'm willing to stay as long as we need to. Um, so 
uh, if you're interested in that, go to CincinnatiRia.com. You can either scroll down on, right the, on the front page, on the front page, or mm-hmm. you can go into the uh, the calendar and click on the 22nd and sign up for it there. And and the reason, Denise, that that is the answer to the how do you implement this question is because people who attend that actually get the scope of work spreadsheet. Right. We're gonna we're actually going to give them the scope of work spreadsheet. We're going to give them my independent contractor services agreement. And I think today we agreed that we're also going to give them my contractor qualification form. Yeah, which is something I have never seen before. Um, I just saw it for the first time today. Where you can actually walk through, um, kind of like when you're screening a tenant, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is screening your contractor. You know, Are they on the sexual predator website? Something good to know, right? Uh, do they have a Better Business Bureau rating? There are about 15 things here on this page that we go through and assign points to them. Um, to determine, you know, is this somebody that I want to do business with? Mm -hmm. And I notice you have three automatic disqualifications. Number one, they're not willing to sign your independent contractor service agreement. Doesn't matter how many points they get up above that if they won't do that. Unwilling to provide their W-9 or will only work for cash. (laughs) Those are the three automatic disqualification items. Now, those are things that I disqualify for. Um, You know, if you want to take the chance (laughs) of... uh, Risking with the IRS, that is up to you. I am not willing to do that myself. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So back to the, so we're, we're dealing with a little bitty piece of that overall day today, and uh, in, in very limited time, because I know I've, I've been to your Saturday workshops before, and I know you actually go through the scope of work and like show people how to fill it out and how mm-hmm. it populates and how to sort it and all of that sort of stuff. Right. Um, bad things that happen when you don't have a scope of work. The, the biggest thing is, um, like any agreement, if it's not written down, you will remember different from your contractor, right? And the contractor will say, oh, no, we were going we to rip out all the drywall and replace it. And you're like, no, we were just going to patch and paint. Mm-hmm. And if it's not in writing, um, who's right? Right. Yeah. So, that's, and honestly, either one of you could be wrong. This is as much for your memory, absolutely, as it is for theirs. When, especially when you start doing any volume of these things, the houses run together. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, th- just the the clarification of what is it, and then if there is an issue, and God forbid that you would have to, you know, actually go to court. Um, you know, this again is tied into the the contract. Um, you take take it to the judge and you show him, you know, here's here's the contract that he signed where the scope of work is referenced right here in the contract. Here is the scope of work with his signature on it. Um, it, it gets pretty hard for, for them to argue. Here's the pictures of the stuff he didn't do that he's trying to get paid for. Yeah, right. it makes it makes right. it a, a, a much more compelling right. argument. And I would say that if, if you don't have one, you're probably going to lose control of your rehab just full stop because I, you know, I, I, as you know, was just uh, involved in a very large rehab this that ended in February, and it was a constant set of make make a decision about this now when it all should have been made up front, and so it was you know other I'm doing other things and the contractor calls me and says so did you want to do one of these five pictures of sinks that I sent you. And I'm like, I don't know. I like this one the best. Well, that's the most expensive one. Well, you know, in the heat of the moment, I want the one I want as opposed to looking at the overall budget. And this might have been one you had an emotional tie to. It, 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 it might have been. But, but you know, 
nonetheless, that I had, okay, let me, let me see. My scope of work was written on a yellow pad and I lost it after about the second <laughs> week. So I, I didn't even know what we were doing after about the second week. So just, I mean, for planning, it gets out of control. Absolutely. If you don't have something that you can look at. And sometimes it's because you make decisions in the spur of the moment. And sometimes it's because that contractor creep thing. But, you know, sometimes they're legitimately, you, you've done your most detailed scope of work you can. Right. The contractor's pulling the kitchen cabinets off the walls. All the drywall comes off with it because it turns out there's a termite infestation that nobody right. could have known about. Oh, and also now that I've seen the plumbing, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, pretty new PVC downstairs, but the vent pipe going up through the roof is really rotten cast iron. There really does need to be something different. Right. How do you deal with that? Okay. That's what's called a change order. And so, you know, those things happen. Absolutely. Um, I had one a few years ago where contractor called me over. We, we thought we had, you know, soft floor. We thought was the subfloor. He pulled, no way to see under the floor until he pulled it up, and he calls me over and he says, um, "The termites have actually eaten out the ends <laughs> of the joists. There, you know, it, the the subfloor was holding up what was left <laughs> of the joists. So obviously, that is a change order. I mean, there, neither of us could see it going in. It's just one of those things that happens. Um, hopefully, you have enough in your your fudge buzz budget, you know, your miscellaneous factor." Uh, to cover that. If not, that's one of those cases where, you know, you, you, you might end up taking a hit on it. But mm-hmm. it is it is absolutely not fair to put that on the contractor because he couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. It's just one of those mm-hmm. things. Nobody, so, nobody even should have known. <laughs> right. So you negotiate um, on that change order. You know, here we need to replace seven floor joists, blah, 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 blah. Here's the price. And here is the uh, extension to the timeline because of that. Um, you know, we're going to need an extra seven days or whatever it is to do that. You know, whatever it is, you negotiate that, you document it, you put it in a change order. That modifies the the scope of work and the contract to modif- to uh, account for that. And away you go. It's time for another quick break. I We're uh, taking your questions about scopes of work and I don't know all things contractors and when we come back I've got a couple sitting here in the inbox but uh, if y'all have one we're only on for about another 10 minutes after this break so give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking about scopes of work with Mr. Jerry Fink. Um, so, something I mean, if 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 y'all have been getting away with not doing this over the course of say the last five to seven years, because as long as you stayed within some level of reason, it really didn't matter if you went over your original budget because uh, when you were done, it was how's going to be worth more anyway. This is one of the things, remember where I said, we said early in the show, there's a lot of opportunities, but there's also some stuff you got to get tightened down. This is one of those things. Right. You cannot go over budget or over time in a market where prices are flat or going down. You just, right. I mean, unless you like losing money. Yep. And if you like losing money, 
Vegas is fun. You know, like, <laughs> like don't do it. you have a chance there. <laughs> don't, don't do it on a rehab. Uh, first question is from Richard, who I gather is for, is from, uh, California, Oregon, or Washington, because he says, will the scope of work Saturday seminar be live streamed for us West Coasters? Guys, it's better than live streamed. I kind of hate those live stream where it's where there's a, a camera pointed at somebody and you have to hope the camera person keeps the yeah. camera on the person or the slides. It's, it's an actual Zoom meeting, which actually works out better because all of this stuff that he's teaching is like, it, it's spreadsheet is easier to look at when you're on a Zoom meeting looking at someone else's screen than it is when they're trying to project it up onto a wall. So it is, uh, it's online. It's fully online. Right. And um, s- sadly, Richard, it will start at 6 a.m. your time. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what, in trade for your pain, I will speak for L.A. Ria tonight. The meeting starts at 8.30 p.m. my time and goes until 10 o'clock p.m. my time. And I, I am actually doing that. I only do it about once a year because, man, that's like, that's like way past my bedtime. <laughs> true, so, true. yes, uh, .com, uh We'll give you all the information about that. Um, let's see. Dave says, how does Jerry handle mold? Well, Jerry tries not to handle mold, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he says, uh, if it... Do you, is it part of your scope of work or do you wait until it's found or attempted mitigation? Well... You know, if you know it going in, you're going to address it. Um, you know, it could be something like, you know, I was talking about before, when you pull the kitchen cabinets out, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> there's all kinds of mold behind there. So um, if I know it up front, I'm going to address it in the scope of work. Um, I am not nearly as afraid of mold as a lot of people are. Uh, mold is a naturally occurring substance, um, 7,000 species of mold in the world. So I'm not afraid of it. It is something that, uh, depending on the the actual amount, you know, how much of it there is and that sort of thing. Um, when you're dealing with mold, the, the number one thing is you got to figure out why, all right? Mold needs water and food. So there has to be moisture in there somehow. There's a roof leak or a wall leak or whatever it might be. And then the food is some sort of, you know, cellulose-based something or other. So um, as long as you can determine what is going on that's causing that mold, you, f- you fix why, and then you address, you know, what what is actually there. It may involve tearing out drywall or sometimes even uh, studs if it's really bad. Uh, treat it, um, you know, seal it, you know, with like uh, oil-based kills, something like that. Make sure it's not going to come back and then rebuild. Mm-hmm. So so if you knew about it, it's on the scope of work. If, if the contractor finds it while he's replacing the drywall, then it becomes a change then we, order. Then we talk item. about change order. Right. Okay. Uh, Dave has a second question. Jerry obviously serves as his own general contractor, but for newbies who still use a general contractor, does the scope of work, is the scope of work still in the same detail that he just identified or does it change in some way? Um, I would tell you that I would still do the same scope of work. It's just now it's the general contractor who's getting signed all the line items and then he is doing the further um, breakout of, of, you know, what's going to the plumber, what's going to the electrician and so forth. When you're, when you are dealing directly with the, uh, with the general contractor, you have a contract with one person. Um, you are correct that I have 
I have acted as my own general. So I'm doing the contract with the plumber, with the electrician, and so forth. So yes, I have, you know, multiple contracts. But contracts. But if you're dealing with a single general contractor, your contract is with them. The scope of work still needs to be the still needs to be there. I mean, the same things still need to be done. It's just you're not going to say Joe's doing this and Bill's doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the contractor makes the general contractor makes those decisions, but and actually makes the contracts with those people. But to have a good agreement, you still have to say, here's how much I'm paying and here's what I'm paying for, mm-hmm. which is what exactly. the scope of work does. Exactly. Okay, question from Rebecca. I often a- get asked how detailed should the line items of the scope of work be? I make mine really detailed, but it's because I actually know how to do the work I'm asking the contractors to do for the most part. When I've tried to help other folks who are struggling with their rehabs, I usually find that their scope is way too vague, and I struggle to get them to understand how detailed is detailed enough. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Um, I tend toward Rebecca's end of the of the thing. Um, you want to, as much as possible, spell out. I mean, you're not you're not going to say you know you're going to use a a six-penny nail. I'm not getting down to that level. But I am trying to make it detailed enough so that there's no real question about what it is that needs to be done and the essentially the level of, of uh, finish you know that I'm expecting. One of the things that, that is spelled out in my scope of work is expect that your work will be inspected by an, uh, an independent um, inspector. You know, that might be a home inspector. It might be my folks. It might be a city inspector, inspector, that sort of thing. But your level of fit and finish and quality needs to be able to sustain um, an inspection. From potentially an unfriendly. Potentially unfriendly. (laughs) That's true. Inspector. Okay, so um, this this question's a little, uh, I wish you'd called this in, Randy, because I would ask you a question about it. Because some people, when they say commercial property, they mean anything bigger than a four family. Some mm-hmm. people, when they say commercial property, mean non-residential property. Okay. So his question is, does Jerry have a scope of work template for commercial property? Okay, so if we're talking about the five-unit uh, and above residential property, you're just going to make multiples of this. You're going to have a, a master, like, for the building, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have individual. Apartment one, apartment two, uh, apartment exactly, three. Exactly, mm-hmm. you're going to do it that way. If you're talking about a, you know, an office building, a you know, a true commercial building, uh, what you could do is take what I've done and create your own, you know, master set of tasks. Um, for instance, I almost never deal with a flat roof. So mm-hmm. there's not much in my scope about flat roofs. Yeah, and and there's a lot of stuff that you have to do in commercial buildings by code mm-hmm. that you just right. don't have to do in right. Residential property. So I guess the, the quick answer Fire is alarm systems, etc. Cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I guess yeah. the quick answer is the template is modifiable for a residential multifamily, but for some, for a, a commercial property, you probably need to be going to somebody who does a lot of commercial deals to yeah. see what that ought to look like. So um, Jerry, in your own business, do you do the scopes of work for both rental deal rental properties and absolutely. Okay, what's the yeah. smallest job you would bother to do this for? Um, I'm not going to do it for. I need the guy to come and put in a new HVAC system. You know, that's cut and dried. You know, you're, you're putting in a Goodman, da 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 da. You know, and it's you know sixty five hundred dollars. Boom, mm-hmm. we're done. There's you know nothing to really talk about there. 
if we're talking about something that's a little bit longer in scope or in uh, time, uh, bigger in scope, uh, dollars, you know, if you're if you're getting into you know ten thousand dollars or more, uh, that's when I'm going to really start thinking about it. If it's uh, a contractor that I have not worked with before, I'm going to be much more likely to want to spell all this out. If it's somebody that I've worked with a lot, um, you know, you, you kind of get a little bit comfortable with them. Probably shouldn't, but <laughs> you get a little more comfortable with them and, and let that, you know, go a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, probably somewhere around $10,000 is where you kind of start thinking about, you know, doing this level of detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I have heard you on multiple occasions. Um, I don't want to say the word rant, but Who, me? it sounds a little <laughs> bit like a rant when, when you say it, that private lenders need to understand scopes of work. And, and private lenders don't think of themselves as being in the real estate business. They think of themselves right. as being in the paper business. So rant. Well, they, <laughs> they are in the paper business, but... Like any investment, you should have an understanding of what it is that you're investing in. So having a a general understanding of the real estate world, having an understanding of what a rehab is all about, having an understanding of what the scope is that that's going to be done, having an understanding of, you know, is this contractor capable? Um, you know, what kind of work have you done to qualify your contractor? Do you really, do you as the rehabber coming to me for money, do you really know what you're doing? And part of that is having a solid contract, a solid scope of work, uh, a solid timeline, a solid budget, all those things laid out. When you bring that to me as a as the private lender in this case, uh, if I can look at that and believe what you have set out before me, I'm much, much more likely to be willing to loan money on that. 100%. I I turned down a private loan last week that looked pretty good because the guy did not have a a scope of work and he tried to describe it to me. And Mm -hmm. I said, I don't, I can't, I can't tell whether you've got enough money to do this, to finish this rehab without a scope of work and I'm not going to finish your rehab. So that's a no. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Jerry. We are out of time again. uh, Jerry's doing an all day Saturday class for the nonprofit real estate investors association of greater Cincinnati a week from Saturday on this topic and a bunch of others around hiring, firing and managing contractors. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. If you are not signed up for the uh, OREA six week free market update call series tonight is the very last one and we're going to talk about how to build relationships that build your business you can get your free pass to that at oreaconvention.com slash how to thrive we will be back next week with more information to get you on the path to financial independence through real estate until then happy investing happy investing